I said it before. If I pass and I wake up on the other side and somebody hands me a mic, I did not make it. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> May the Lord make myself laugh. May the Lord bless you this morning. It's kind of an honor to be here with you. A little bit different preaching in a hotel, so it's a little wee bit nervous. But desire your prayers, Lord willing, Wednesday we'll be leaving for Poland. Uh, get there on Thursday. I got two services on Friday, a service on Saturday, two on Sunday, one on Monday, and fly home on Tuesday. So I told him, I said, I'm not as young as I used to be, but, but I desire your prayers that the, we can get there, and most importantly, that we can get back home. I certainly appreciate that. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn with us to the book of Numbers. I want to read from Numbers chapter 21, starting at verse 1. Like I said, we greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we count it just an honor to be with you here this morning. Certainly enjoyed the time that we had hunting last week and just to be out in the woods and see nature. And it's just, I, I just love nature and the, to watch the animals and the leaves. And it didn't, didn't score any game, but we sure had a wonderful time. And appreciate Brother Daniel allowing us to go with him. I want to read now from Numbers chapter 21, starting at verse 1. Do you love him? got a little unusual text this morning, but we trust the Lord will just help us. Numbers 21.1, and when the king of Ered, the Canaanite, which dwelt in the south, heard tell that Israel came by the way of the spies, then he fought against Israel and took some of them prisoners. And Israel vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, if thou will indeed deliver this people into my hand, then I will utterly destroy their cities. And the Lord hearkened to the voice of Israel and delivered up the Canaanites. And they utterly destroyed them and their cities. And he called the name of the place Hormach. And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Eden. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. The souls of the people was much discouraged because of the way. Let's bow our heads. I want to speak on that a few minutes this morning for the Lord to help us. And I, I want to speak on this thought of the antidote for discouragement. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so grateful that we can feel you in our hearts, Lord. And Father, I know that we don't base these things upon feeling. But I do know, Lord, it's good to feel you. And we want to thank you, dear God, for the opportunity that we've been given in such an hour of darkness to be your children of light. And Father, I pray this morning that you would come, Lord, and take this thought as we realize, dear God, that we are living in such a discouraging time. But Lord, you have given us an antidote for that. And so, Father, I pray that you would just help us this morning to get ourselves out of the way that you could take this and bring it to your people as you... Put it up on our heart this week, Lord, as we were stinking on these things. And now, Lord, I come before you for the needs of our children. There's many of them sick, Lord, and afflicted, and some in the hospital. And, Lord, there are little ones, and we love them. And I ask, dear God, that you would move and bring them forth well. For, oh, God, may we take this power of prayer that's been given into our hand 
May we sling it against the enemy, dear God. And may he be defeated by the faith that lays within the promises of your word. And Lord, you see the other needs that are among us, Lord. May you just move for each person today. And Lord, if they would be some here discouraged, may they draw strength from this word today that we may leave, Lord, a people not discouraged, but a people encouraged by the promises of your word. Bless your people today, Lord. Bless Brother Donnie and his family as they travel, Lord, to rest a few days. May you just comfort them, Lord, we pray. Those other needs around us, Father, Brother Mike Ulteague in the hospital, Lord, from the accident. Help our brother, Lord, we pray. And others on our prayer list, dear God, may you just move for them, Lord. That's just the kind of God you are to do these things for us. And we ask it in the name of the Lord Jesus for thy glory. And the saints said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. You know, I still believe God will squeeze a man's heart and the juice comes out of his eyes. Amen. But you know, discouraged by definition, it means having lost confidence or enthusiasm to be disheartened. So discouragement is the condition of being discouraged. And times of discouragement comes to us, all of us, whether you're a husband or whether you're a wife, a man or a woman, a boy or a girl, a preacher or a lay member, a pastor or a prophet. Discouragement is something that everyone faces, not just one time. But all through the journey, we have dealt and we will deal with times of discouragement. And there's many things that causes discouragement. Sickness causes discouragement. Whether it be your own personal sickness or the sickness of a family member. That is just day in and day out of dealing with negative reports and dealing with blood work and this and that. It brings many times discouragement. Hard times brings discouragement. Disappointments brings discouragement. Failures brings discouragement. Events that happens in our life that we have absolutely no control over brings discouragement. When things just don't work out like we thought they should work out, many times it brings discouragement. But I remember said many times when there's a blessing laying right ahead, the devil tries everything he can to discourage us. And if you notice, it's when you are discouraged. That's when the devil can really pour it on you. That's when he gets you. It's when you're discouraged. So what does Satan desire for every one of us in this building this morning? His desire for us is to be discouraged. He don't care if you come to church if you sit like you're dead. He don't care if you come to church and, and, and paint the barn while you're sitting here. He don't care if you come to church and you're so discouraged you can hardly lift up your head. That's the way he wants you to come. He don't want you to come here encouraged. He don't want you coming here looking at the promise of God. And saying, no matter what I face today, I serve a God who's able to do something about it. Amen. Well, when we come through those doors knowing who we are, knowing where we come from, and knowing where we're going, then we have the authority, amen, to put Satan down. Hallelujah. Amen. It's when you're discouraged that the devil can really pour it on you. That's when he gets you. If he can get you discouraged, then you're disheartened. You lose enthusiasm. You lose confidence. And then you forget 
the promise. You forget the promise. As long as you're looking at the symptom, you're not seeing the solution. As long as you're looking at the problem, you're not seeing the answer. As long as you're staggering in the darkness, you're not enjoying the light. So if he can get you discouraged, you lose your enthusiasm. You're disheartened. You lose your confidence. Oh, many people, none of us here will deny that God's a healer. But we lose our confidence that God can heal me. The prophet said those discouraging times comes to every believer to test you and try you and see if you really do believe. Every son that cometh to God must first be tested and child trained. There'll be some of you here tonight, no doubt, will go through that same testing. Times of discouragement. Amen. And that's what we see in our scripture reading this morning. A discouraging time came to Israel. You see, Israel, they were on their pilgrimage from the land of Egypt to Canaan. And God told them, I have already gave you the land. Not could be, not hope so, not maybe, and I don't know if it'll work or not. No, God said it's already done. And if you can realize this morning in God's thoughts, you have already raptured. In God's thoughts this morning, we have already made it. Hallelujah. He wrote our name in his book before the foundation of the world. Why would he do that unless he knew you would be there? Amen. I've already gave you the land. That was a promise. And God keeps his promise. Not 99 times out of 100, but 100 times out of 100, God will keep a promise he's made to his children. It's not that God's lacking the promise. It's that we get discouraged and fail to act on it. And no doubt Israel expected that this faith journey would be easy. A straight walk to the promised land. After all, look what he just done in Egypt. He utterly destroyed Egypt. And here they came with a God who capped every one of the Egyptian gods and showed Egypt there is no God but me. So they thought, oh my, this is going to be a cakewalk. We're going to the promised land. God gave us a prophet. God gave us a message. God has called us out of the bondage of Egypt. We're going to the promised land. But you see, God never promised move sailing. He never promised that. But the promise that he gave them was, I've already given you the land. But he never said how they was going to get there. He never said that. He just said, I've already, it's a good land. I have already given you the land. But he never said, this is how you'll get there. He just said, you're going there. Amen. <laughs> well, glory. And every time they hit a bump in the road, as we say, 
they would become discouraged and they would murmur and they would complain against God. And the life of the Israelites took a turn to the worst when the king of Edmund refused to let them travel through the Bible said was the king's highway. Because his land was between them and the promised land. And it would have been much easier to pass through this man's land to get to the promised land that God gave them. So they approached this king and said, look, can we come through your land? We won't go through your vineyards. We won't go through your fields. We won't drink your water. We just want to walk the king's highway to the promised land. And if by chance one of our cattle drinks your water or one of our people drinks your water, we will gladly pay you for the water we drink. We're not asking for a handout. We're just simply asking, let us pass through your land. And the king, the king refused to let them pass. He said, if you come to my land, we will attack you. Stay away. Go some other way to get to where you're going. You're not coming through here. What discouraging words to hear. When there's a pathway right through there and they say, nope. Can't go, but but it's right. Nope. How much? Go around. Enjoy the walk. Have a good trip. And the Bible said when they journeyed from Elor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Eden because they would not let them go through there. The souls of the people was much discouraged because of the way of their journey. Oh my. You see, there was this pathway. It was, the Bible says it was the king's highway, not a footpath, a highway. And yet they couldn't walk on the king's highway. He refused to let them come. So the Bible said they had to go around this way by the Red Sea. To go around the land of Edmund. And the souls of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And they were forced to travel into a barren, mountainous, rocky, dry desert. These were the chosen people of God. He told Moses, tell Pharaoh, Israel is my son. Thus saith the Lord, let my son go. I have come to deliver. I didn't come to steal his slaves. I come to deliver my heritage. This was God's chosen people. Led by a pillar of fire, a cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. My God, that's pretty good. And God could have destroyed the king of Edmund just like he did the Egyptian army. Is that not true? If he could do it to Egypt, could he not do it to Edom? But God chose not to do it. God allowed Eden To give Israel a hard time. Think about that for a minute. God's chosen people led by a pillar of fire. And yet he allowed this king to give his people a hard 
time. He allowed them to give Israel a hard time. See, it was, it was God. It was God who led Israel around this Edomite nation. What was God doing? He was leading his people to the fulfillment of the promise. You say, Brother Tyler, why am I going through this? Why am I dealing with this? It's God leading you to the fulfillment of his promise. I am the Lord thy God who healeth thee. Is he in control or is he not in control? Is he our God or is he not our God? It was God leading his people to the fulfillment of the promise. And discouragement came when God's directions did not meet their expectations. Oh, you're quiet this morning, but I guess you're listening. Their discouragement came when their expectations did not agree with God's directions. Well, I thought surely he would do this. I guess he don't love me. I guess he don't care. I guess he don't care I'm going through this. You're taking your opinion over his promise. You're taking your feelings over his promise. You're taking your emotions over his promise. Listen, friends, I don't care if every morning and many mornings I have to. God knows it's the truth. I can hardly get out of bed because of my back, but I do not let that discourage me. I still claim he is my healer. That's got nothing to do with it. I've prayed over people with back trouble and seen God heal them instantly. I've seen them shout the church down and I couldn't hardly get back to the hotel room. I hurt so bad. But it does not matter. That's got nothing to do with it. The path you take does not deter from the promise he made. My God, that ought to be on a t-shirt. That produced discouragement. And the discouragement, discouragement has a poison. Discouragement has a poison. The loss of confidence, the loss of enthusiasm, and disheartment is the poison of discouragement. And when these people were infected by this poison of discouragement, the Bible said the people spake against God and against Moses, his prophet. And it said, wherefore have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread and there isn't any water. And our souls, our souls are loth of this light bread. We can't stand another day of it. Angel bread. Not rainbow bread from Rainbow Bakery, but angel bread from the covenant God. And they begin to complain against the very manna that God provided for them. That manna was good enough to sustain them. That manna was good enough to sustain them in the wilderness. And I say to you this morning, my brother, my sister, this manna that God has given us is good enough to sustain us through the Laodicea wilderness. 
Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Our souls despise this manna. But you see, there was an antidote to this poison of discouragement. Now, an antidote, by definition, is a remedy or an agent used to neutralize or counteract the effects of poison. So there was an antidote against this poison of discouragement. And they must do one or two things. They must either take the antidote or receive the poison. The antidote against discouragement that was caused by the way, the way, the way to the promised land. The discouragement that was caused by the way to the promised land. Like blackouts and earthquakes and volcanoes and famine in the land for the hearing of the word of God. Obstacles that's in the way of the promise of our journey to the rapture. The antidote against the discouragement that was caused by the way, it was the promise, oh my. The antidote that neutralized the poison of discouragement was the promise that God gave them. In Exodus 3.8, he said, I am come down to deliver them out of the hands of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land unto a good land and a large land unto a land flowing with milk and honey unto a place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Pezzerites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. And now there behold the cry of the children of Israel has come up unto me. And I also have seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians have oppressed them. And I have come now therefore. I will send you unto Pharaoh that thou may bring forth my people out of Israel, out of of Egypt and Moses said unto God who am I that I should go into Pharaoh that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt and he said certainly I will be with thee and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee when thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt ye shall ye shall you know like you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost ye shall serve God upon this mountain not could be, not hope so, not maybe. You're going to serve me right here. This is the token. I'm giving you a covenant. Oh, God. The antidote to the discouragement was to encourage themselves in the promise that God made them. If they would have took the antidote, they would have said, it don't matter. If we have to go around it or over it or under it or through it, it don't matter. We're still going. The discouragement is a poison because it causes you to doubt God. You see, discouragement causes you to doubt God. It's the opposite of faith because faith pleases God. You see, the prophet of God said it pleases God when you keep his word. Not doubt, but belief. It's the opposite of faith. Faith pleases God. In their time of testing, in their time of testing, the discouragement caused him to doubt God. And because of their loss of confidence in the God who made the promise. 
it displeased God. Is that not true? And the penalty of their discouragement, the Bible said the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people and they bit the people much and the people of Israel died. The Bible said with many of them, God was not well pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. What brought the displeasure? Discouragement. Therefore, the Bible says that the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoke against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. We're wrong. We've sinned. We've disbelieved God. We've let our problems get bigger than our God. We get the journey get bigger than the land. We've sinned against him. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten, when he looks upon it, he shall live. The penalty of discouragement. You see in 1 Corinthians 10, 11, the Bible says this. Now all these things happen unto them for examples and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. God allowed these things to be written about them to tell you, don't you do what they did. The people that comes upon the ends of the earth, listen friends, we're not in the first church age, we're in the last church age. We are in the seventh church age and it is the seventh church age that takes the rapture. Enoch was the seventh from Adam and Enoch did not see death in that he was translated that before his translation, before his rapture, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Who was Enoch typing? Who was Enoch typing? He was typing you. You say, oh, if I could be, if I could be like Enoch. Enoch said, I'm so glad I'm typing you. So let's look for a few minutes who a few in their times of discouragement they took the antidote that was provided against the discouragement. Peter was discouraged but he took the antidote. The prophet said they were fishermen. They knew the signs. They made their living by fishing. They were commercial fishermen. That was their occupation. They knew they were the bill dancers of their day. They knew all about the lake when the water was right and, and that they'd sailed all night long and they hadn't even taken one fish. They had took nothing. And they were washing their nets and they were in discouragement. The prophet said anytime a fisherman goes fishing and don't catch fish, he is discouraged. Is that right, Brother Joel? He is discouraged. Anytime Tennessee don't win. <laughs> oh, well, that's for another day. <laughs> they hadn't took a fish. They had sang all night long and had taken 
nothing. And the prophet said they were washing out their nets and they were discouraged. And the prophet said, you people that live close to this river and fish all night and catch nothing, it's discouraging. But Jesus spoke to them. You see, the, the prophet said, it's in those times of discouragement that he comes to you. But do not fail to Don't miss him when he comes. Don't be so discouraged that you miss him when he comes to you. Because it's in those times of discouragement that he comes. And it was in this time in Peter's life that he came. And Jesus said, go out into the lake again. Go right out there where you was at and let down for a draught. Let down and take up a whole net full of fish. Now, I've not seen you around here before. Are, are, you, a, are you another local fisherman? Have you maybe fished another place and you've... You're telling me I'm a professional. And you're telling me to go right out there where I was just at and throw a net that I've thrown all night long and caught nothing. I've had no sleep. I've had nothing to eat. I've not even had coffee. And you want me to go right out there and throw a net again? Peter said, Lord, we've sained all night. We have taken nothing. But here's the antidote. In his time of discouragement, now he's got to do one or two things. He's got to either keep the discouragement, those I have caught nothing. Are you listening to me? I ain't caught nothing. He can either keep those words of discouragement or he can take the antidote. We've spent all night. We've sang all night. We've taken nothing. But nevertheless, at your word, at your word. Not at my emotion, not at my feelings, not at my knowledge, not at my understanding, but at thy word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'll let down the net. God said so. Hallelujah. Faith will put fish there if there isn't any fish there. At thy word. Believe God against all human ability or understanding or doctor's reports or PET scans or CT scans or MRIs. He took the antidote and he went home. His wife said, did you catch anything? Look at the boat. It's about that far out of the water. Did we catch anything? Look at Lazarus. Lazarus was dead. His two sisters left alone in the world. Their parents were dead. There was no one there to look out for them. No security, no one to provide for them. Just two sisters in, in sackcloth and ashes weeping over the death of their brother. And no doubt a lot of their weeping wasn't just for the loss of their brother, but it was for the loss of their own self-pity. They were all human, huh? They were sitting there sackcloth and ashes, 
dressed in black, weeping. They sent for Jesus. When Lazarus got sick, they sent for Jesus. And guess what? He went the other way. I'm talking about the Jesus that stayed in their home. I'm talking about the Jesus that they cooked supper for. I'm talking about the Jesus that they left the organization and they left their denominations to follow this man that they were saying on the internet he was a cult and a false prophet and a liar. But they left everything to follow this man and when they needed him the most, he went the other way. Times of discouragement. A discouraging time. Hey, Mary, Martha didn't. Didn't you leave your church to follow that message cult? That self-made prophet? Where'd he go to school anyway? And the Bible said that Mary sat still in the house. And when she heard that Jesus was come, she went out to meet him. And she said through her tears, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. And the Bible said Jesus saw Mary weeping and he groaned in his spirit and he said to Mary, where have you laid him? It's fixing to get interesting. Where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. And the Bible says, the shortest verse in the Bible, the Bible said that Jesus wept. And they and the Jews, they said, behold, look, look how he loved this man. He's standing there weeping. But was he weeping because Lazarus was gone or was he weeping because of their unbelief? Jesus wept. And some of them said, oh, how he must have loved him. Some of them said, could not this man that opened the eyes of the blind, could not he have caused even this man that he shouldn't have died? Couldn't he even keep him from dying? Jesus therefore groaned again in himself, and he cometh to the grave. It was a cave, and a stone was laid upon it. And Jesus said, in their time of discouragement, in their time of weeping, Jesus said, take away the stone. That's the antidote. Take away the stone. And Martha, in her discouragement, even though she had done said, Yes, Lord, I know. I know he'll rise again in the resurrection. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection. Even though he had said that, Martha, even in her discouragement, she said, Lord, by this time he stinks. His nose has done fell in. He's been dead four days. Are you really sure you want us to take that stone away? Here's the antidote. In the midst of all this discouragement, here's the antidote Jesus said unto her. Said not I unto thee, if thou wouldest believe, thou should see the glory of God. You want to see the glory of God? Don't doubt. Don't try to figure it out. Come on, friends. You don't have to pump it up, work it up, shout it up. Just believe him. You want to see the glory of God? Just believe him. Thou should have seen the glory of God. The antidote 
The antidote was if you would believe. They're sitting all around in discouragement and in tears. Now you're going to do one or two things. Either stay in your discouragement or roll away the stone. What are you going to do this morning? And that big rocket's in your life. What are you going to do about it? You're either going to sit in your discouragement, in your confusion, in your nervousness, or you can roll away the stone. Notice, Jesus didn't say, now Martha, you're kind of small. You know, you're kind of a little feeble there. If you'll step aside now, I'll, I'll roll that stone away. He never said that. He never lifted a finger to move the stone. He said, you roll away the stone. You know, many times, well, I'm waiting to see what the Lord will do. Maybe he's waiting to see what you'll do. Come on. Amen. We serve a God who turned water into wine. Hey, that's pretty good. How many times does he have to do it before we believe it? How many times does he have to heal cancer? How many times, oh my, does he have to open blinded eyes? How many times does he have to make the lame get up and walk before we'll finally believe him? We can sit around discouraged. We can sit around in our tears. We can look at Fox News until we're all upset. Or we can roll away the stone. And when they took the antidote and rode away a stone, a man that had been dead four days came forth when Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And you know what the next thing he said? Loose him and let him go. David. David was a man after God's own heart. Huh? So let's look and see how David dealt with discouragement. And we can understand how to please God in our times of discouragement. Because David was a man after God's own heart. And let me assure you today, times of discouragement will come to all of us. Brother, have you ever been discouraged? Oh, my. Sure. I'll be honest, many times. Have you? Many times when things didn't work out because you thought they should. Or it didn't happen when you thought it should happen. When you pray for somebody and they walk away still dragging their foot. It's discouraging sometimes. When you believe with all your heart that God will do something for them. And then the next year you see them, they're walking normal. Because God done it for them. We all meet those discouraging times, friends. But let's look and see how David dealt with this discouragement. Because it will come to all of us, whether we're young or old. Now the Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 30, that it came to pass that when David and his men were come to Ziglag on the third day, that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziglag and smitten Ziglag and burned it with fire. And had taken captive there within. They had took captive. They slew not any, neither great or small, but they carried them away. They came in. They burnt. They didn't kill anybody. Not one woman, not one child. They just come in and burnt the city and kidnapped the entire village. And took them with them. 
And here come David and his men riding up to Ziglag. And I can just see them here. They've been in a great battle. These were rugged warriors. These were men who could take a sword and cut a man's head off with one swing. Here was men that fought so hard that they had to cleave the sword out of their hands. I think one of them killed 300 one time in a field. Rugged, hardened soldiers. Not new recruits. Not new recruits that just had a uniform. No, these were battle-scarred warriors. They had been in battle. They knew what it was to see men cry on the battlefield for their mothers as they were trying to hold on to their guts because it had been ripped out of them. The, the cruelty, the hardness of war. You brothers that's been in combat, I take my hat off to you. Things you had to endure, the things you had to see. Young people want to do something? You want to do something good for somebody? Go to the VA and shake a veteran's hand and tell them thank you for your service to our country. I said it's a shame that they give homosexuals a whole month and they give veterans one day. On. It's a shame. Yeah. These are battle-hardened warriors. And they came to the city and behold it was burned with fire and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captive. They were coming back from the battle. They were headed home. They were happy. I said, well, I'll tell you one thing. My wife makes the best apple pie. I bet she's got one in the window. And old, old dog out there, old Rufus, you know, man, he's going to wag his tail when he sees me. And I can't wait to see little Johnny. And I can't wait to see Sarah and give her a hug, my little girl. Well, they were so happy they were coming back from the battle, following David, their king, their leader. Fighting for David away from their wives, away from their children, away from their families. Fighting for their king. And when they came back to the city of Ziglag, no doubt they broke up over the hill and they was laughing and singing and having a great time. And when they come up over the hill, there was the city. It was burnt. There were no dogs wagging their tail. No apple pie in the window. No Johnny. No Sarah. No wife. No welcome back kiss. They were gone. They were all gone. And the whole city was burned. Her sons and their daughters and their wives were taken captive. Then David and the people with him lifted up their voices and wept until the Bible said they had no more power to weep. These were battle-hardened soldiers who saw battle, but yet this had brought such discouragement that they were in tears. They wept till they had no more ability to weep. And the Bible says that David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him. His own men who fought for him, who believed that he would be the king, he would reign as king and they were willing to die for David. Now these very men were so discouraged by what they saw in Ziglai that they picked up stones to kill David. You know, a stone is a confession. 
And I wonder how many times in our times of discouragement we have picked up confessions against our Lord. Why am I going through this? What have I done to deserve this? They picked up stones. How many times have we made a confession? I'll be honest. I'm raising my How many times have we made a confession against our Lord? The Bible said David was greatly distressed. A time of great discouragement that his own men who just fought a battle with him now was turning against him. It's your fault, David. You're trying to make a name for yourself. If I had been out there fighting for you, my wife would not be took away from me. It's your fault. The Bible said David was greatly distressed. For they spake of stoning him. Because the souls of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and for his daughters. So here's the antidote. In this time of discouragement, the Bible says, but David, he didn't quit. He didn't run and hide behind the rock, but he looked to the rock. The Bible said that David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. In the time of great distress, he did not run. He did not quit. He did not give up. He simply reminded himself of what God said about him. God, hallelujah, God sent a prophet to tell him, you will reign as king. And how can I be stoned by my own men and reign as king? So I will take God's word over the situation that I'm in. And David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God, who made the promise to David. Armies will fail us. Nations will fail us. Families will fail us. But God, our God will never fail us. David said to Abathar the priest, Amalek's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And he brought the ephod to David. David required of the Lord. and said, what shall I do, Lord? Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? What do you want me to do, Lord? I don't care how bad it looks. I'm following your leadership. I don't care how bad it looks. I don't even care what I think about it, Lord. My thoughts don't even matter. I have no opinion. Listen, friends, I'm not interested in your opinion. You know why? Because I'm not even interested in my own opinion. My opinion means nothing. It's not what I think. It's what God said. What do you want me to do, Lord? Just tell me what you want me to do. Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And God answered David. He said, pursue. Pursue. Go after them, David. For thou shalt surely overtake them. And without fail, you shall recover all. Even the apple pie. You shall recover all. So David gets up encouraged. 
Because the word of the Lord neutralized the poison of discouragement. And David got up. You know, he, he liked to dance anyway. He might have moonwalked a little bit. I don't know. But David got up. He got up so happy. He got up smiling. And his been oh, oh, my God. David's lost his mind. Look at him. He's dancing out there. He's smiling. He's laughing. Oh, he lost his mind all right. Because he got the mind of God. He had the mind of God. And listen, friends, we're not, we're not serving God under a closed book. We're not serving God under a sealed book. The seals have been opened. We know, oh, hallelujah, we know the mind of God concerning us. We know who we are. We know who God our God is. We know what God requires of us. We know where we came from. We know our DNA. We know our genetics. We know where we're going. The prophet said, I went into the backside of God's mind. Hallelujah. He has revealed his mind to us concerning us. David got up. He said, listen, boys. I know you're hurting. I know you're troubled. I know you're crying. I know you're discouraged. I know you're thinking about killing me. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to dry your eyes, sharpen your swords, Tighten up your saddles, because we're going to ride. Where are we going, David? Where are we going? We're going to get that apple pie. And your wife who baked it. And little Johnny. And little Sarah. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 30, 17, he smoked them from the twilight even until the evening of the next day. Oh, I can see in the camp of, of, the, of the Malachites. I can see him just rejoicing. Boy, I tell you one thing. We pulled one over on David. He was out there fighting that little skirmish. And while he was out there, man, we went in there and burned his city down. We, burned, we took his wives. We took the boys. We took everything. And David's wife said, you're going to be sorry. You're going to be sorry. David's coming. He ain't going to leave us down here like this. He ain't going to leave us down here in this darkness of Laodicea. He ain't going to leave us down here in these troublesome nuclear times. He's not going to leave us in this time of plagues and famines and fires and volcanoes and earthquakes and floods. Come on, somebody. He ain't going to leave us here much longer. Our David is coming for us. Our David is coming for us. Are you ready to go, young people? Are you ready to go, mama? Are you ready to go, amen? Quit looking at your discouragement. Quit looking at the discouraged times. And let's get ready to go. Hush up, woman. We're trying to rejoice over this victory. You ain't got no victory. You ain't got nothing. He's coming. And they was out there hooting and a hollering, and all of a sudden, out on the horizon, they saw a dust cloud. They said, What do you reckon that is? She said, That'd be David. <laughs> the Bible says that there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil nor anything 
that had been taken to them. But David recovered all. Because, because David took the antidote against discouragement. So the question comes to my mind. What are we going to do about our times of discouragement? We've seen two, two types. One who took the discouragement and was punished. One who took the antidote and saw great things. So what are we going to do in our times of discouragement? Lord Ben says, I want to ask you a question. What good does it do us to come to church and sit in a meeting and ponder and maybe be discouraged because we didn't get a prayer cord or maybe be discouraged because of some ill thing a neighbor did or discouraged about one little matter or the other? That keeps Christ away from you. When you're discouraged, that keeps Christ away from you. It's when you're thinking on him that he comes. So in our times of discouragement, when he comes, what causes him to come is when we begin to think on him. You see, you may not be able to stop discouragement from coming, but we can keep it from staying. So I say to you and I this morning, let's take the antidote. Let's encourage ourselves in the Lord. Let's encourage ourselves in the promises he has made for us. He said in Joshua 1.9, Have not I commanded thee, be strong, be of good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. You know what that word dismayed means? Neither be thou discouraged. For the Lord thy God is with thee. The Lord thy God is with thee. Whithersoever thou goest. In the good times, in the bad times. In the high times, in the low times. In the valley, on the mountain. He is with us. Amen. He promised in his word, I will never leave thee, nor will I forsake thee. Deuteronomy 31, 8, in the Lord, he, he is that goeth before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be discouraged. Isaiah 41.10, fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not discouraged, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. No weapon formed against thee shall prosper. I am the Lord thy God that healeth thee. We can speak. We can stay discouraged because we're sick, or we can be encouraged because he's our healer. Encourage yourselves in the Lord. Don't be discouraged. We're living in a terrible hour, the prophet said. A terrible hour for the unbeliever. It is a terrible hour for the unbeliever. But a wonderful hour. A wonderful hour for the believer. We are living in a terrible hour. A terrible hour for the unbeliever. But a wonderful hour for the believer. For we're near the end time to which we're looking for the coming of the blessed Lord. That's why we're here. Redeeming the time because we know we have not much time left.
We know it, friends. There is no eighth-day messenger coming. There is no prophet coming, rising up for the Gentiles. There is none coming. The only thing left for the church, the only thing left for us is the coming of the Lord. You see, the prophet told a story. Just give me a few more minutes. I'll close. prophet told a story about a boy riding a bicycle. And they said if you could ride, I think it was 50 yards across this plank or whatever it was. If whoever can ride across it and not fall off, we'll win this brand new bicycle. Every boy got on that plank and got on that bicycle, rode just a little bit, fell off. But this one little fella jumped on the bike and he rode it all the way to the end and he won the bicycle. All the other boys fell off, but this little fella, he won the bike. And they said, how did you do it? He said, you guys were looking right here. You were looking right down here, and it made you nervous. It caused you to doubt that you could do it. And you wobbled and fell off. I didn't look right here. When I got on the bike, I looked at the finish line. I looked to the end. Don't fall If you're discouraged this morning, look to the end. Look in the back of the book. I don't care what battle you're in. Look to the back of the book. We win. We win. Amen. He didn't look at the present. He said, I looked at the finish line and the prophet said, friends, don't look at the things right here. Look at the end. If I had to look at the things right here in front of me, I'd be a discouraged person. But I never look here. I never look here. I watch the end. But Brother Dow, Brother, you, don't, you don't know the battle I'm in. Don't look at the battle. Look at the victory. Well, how do you know I'll have a victory? Because he said so. God creates win-win situations for his children. <laughs> the prophet said, notice, when you're discouraged, that's when the devil can really pour it on you. That's when he gets you. If you come to church, you say, well, I don't know. I don't know whether I'll ever get any better or not. I've been prayed for twice. Oh, my. You might as well go home. That's all. But when you can cast that aside, God don't want you frowning. I lost my place. God don't want you frowning. God wants you to be happy. Are you happy? God wants you to be happy. The human heart was made to be happy. Hang on to your false teeth. Worry, worry will cause cancer. Now, some of you people want all these other processed foods because you're afraid you're going to get cancer and you worry yourself to death that you're going to get cancer. It's true, friends. Oh, they won't touch the, I ain't touching that right there. California said that causes cancer. You're going to believe California? You can't get one thing at Lowe's but what says California says this causes cancer. I'm thinking it's a screw. It's a <laughs> 
causes cancer. Temper, oh my. Temper will cause cancer. Don't never be upset. Oh, God help us. You might as well say it too. God help us. Don't never be upset. Just walk in love. Amen. Knowing that you're walking in him and nothing can harm you. There's nothing can harm you. There's neither powers, things present, things future. There's nothing that can separate us from him. We are in him. And we never came in by our own will. Oh, God. He, by choice, elected us and brought us to him. That ought to encourage you this morning. I didn't even choose this. You know what I was going to be when I grew up? I was going to be a soldier. I joined the army to be a lifer, as they call them. 30 years in the military. That was my objective. Preacher? <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> it never entered my mind. And I used to witness to people when I got saved and I went back to ETSU because I got saved on Christmas break. And when I went back to school, I started witnessing about the Lord. And people said, you're a preacher. I said, no, I'm not. I, I, I just like to... I just like to tell the people about what the Lord done for me. And then he spoke to me one day and said, go preach my word. So I did. We never chose this ourselves. You understand that this morning. You're not even here by your own choice. You're here by his choice. He chose us in him. And friends, if he chose us in him, do you think for a moment he's going to lose us? Then we should be the happiest people on earth. We don't serve him by a creed. We don't serve him by a dogma. We serve him by revelation. The prophet said, well, no, I'm, 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 I told you I'm closing, I'm closing. I heard the pastor say this morning that many are becoming discouraged. What we need, brothers, to take courage. What we need is to be encouraged. That's right. Trials may come. We never was promised to be immune from them. But he will give us grace to go through them. If the mountain's too high to go over, if it's too deep to go under, if it's too wide to go around it, he will give us grace to go through it. That's right. Just don't worry. Keep your eyes on Christ. For he's the only one who can take us through. God said in Jeremiah, I'll give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God, for they shall return unto me with their whole heart. My tabernacle also shall be with them, yea, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Zechariah 8, I will bring them, and they shall dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God in truth and in righteousness. Jeremiah says, thus saith the Lord, learn not the way of the heathen. Be not discouraged by the signs of heaven, for the heathen are discouraged by the signs. The signs of the heavens discourage the unbeliever. 
don't learn the ways because they're discouraged with the signs of heaven. That's exactly what the Bible says. That's the last phrase of the Bible. It said they're discouraged. They're dismayed. They're discouraged with them, see? That just discourages them. That's exactly right. So they do the same thing. And they, do you notice right below? He said also that there will be fearful sights in the heavens, signs in the heavens and in the earth. Is that right? And what did Jeremiah say? Be not discouraged at the signs in the heaven. You say sign in heaven. Why? They wondered even Pentagon. You see not long ago, all this here flying saucer stuff. They wonder what it's all about. I just saw an article just the other day that, that the Pentagon is, is investigating 150 confirmed unidentified sightings. They wonder what it's all about. They can't make it out. It's an invisible force. It almost comes down there. And it's an intelligent. And I'm not a flying saucer man and all this here nonsense that's been told about it. That's nothing to that. It is no flying saucer. It is no men from Mars. It is not life on another planet somewhere that's investigating our life. That's nonsense that's been told about that. There's nothing to that. Don't you believe that? Don't you believe that they're UFOs? But they're signs. And the signs discourage the unbeliever. It's a very discouraging time for the unbeliever, but a very happy time for the believer. For we believe that the time of our redemption is drawing nigh. But you, Lord, said it would be this way, and you've made it known to us. You have made it known to us so we would not be discouraged. Be not discouraged. For the Lord thy God is with thee. He will keep thee. He will sustain thee. He will take us home with him one day. When discouraging times come, friends, and they will come, we have an antidote. Remember what he said in his word about us. In God's mind, we've already made it. Then let us this morning encourage ourselves in the promises concerning ourselves he says our children are our heritage do not be discouraged by the rebellious ways you just keep reeling them in just keep reeling them in just keep reeling them in do you love him this morning why would I worry when giants come calling my name my God is so much bigger than troubles I face why would I hunger for power or riches or fame. Because my God is so much better than all of these things. So I won't be shaken. I won't be moved. For my God is faithful. His promise is true. So I speak to the mountains and say it's time to move. Because my God is bigger, better, stronger, and greater than you. Do you love him? Let's bow our heads. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the antidote, Lord. That neutralizes the poison of discouragement. And Lord, you allow these things to come into our life just to see. 
Will we take the antidote? Will we take the promise? Or will we let our problems, or will we let the journey, or will we let the battle get bigger than you? But I say to this mountain this morning, you're going to have to move because my God is bigger, better, stronger, and greater than you. That's the kind of God you are, Lord. That's just the kind of God you are. When I was young, you called my name. I tried to run, but still you came. Because that's the kind of God that you are. Lord, may your people take courage today, Father. Lord, I know there's many trials. And Father, I'm not belittling their problems, Lord. God, I know there's, there's sick children today. The parents is worried, Lord. Those two little girls that was in the accident, God. Oh, Lord, when I saw them there, it reminded me of Jessica. My heart just went out to them, Lord. God, I know how it is in a hospital to see your baby in that condition. But, Lord, I pray, may your spirit go to the family, Lord. May they not look at the bruises, the neck braces, and all the IVs. But may they look to you, the healer and the deliverer, Lord. God, if there's some here this morning, Lord, that's battling different issues, some battling cancer, Lord, we know. Others just battling maybe menopause, Lord, at times of nervousness, Father. Maybe some just discouraged at the news and the things that's happening. But, oh, God, may we take the antidote today, Lord. May we believe your report. May we believe your word today, Lord, we pray. And may we cast aside everything that's contrary to your word. And may we do like David in the time of his great distress. He never gave up. He never quit. He never ran. But he encouraged himself in the Lord. But oh God, in this great battle, maybe some here is in a tremendous battle today. Maybe nobody in this building even knows but them. But God, in this time of great battle, may they encourage themselves in you, Lord. For you are our God the keeper of our flame. You will be with us. You will not forsake us, but you will take us, Lord, to your table. Until that time, Lord, may we be faithful, I pray. If you're here this morning, maybe, maybe this message that spoke to you, I, I don't know. Just all week, I sitting in the stand, I was thinking on these things. But maybe this message, that's the kind of God we serve this morning that he would put this on my heart to speak to a room full of people for one person that's going through a time of discouragement. And if you're that person this morning, this word is for you. Now what are you going to do? You're going to keep that discouragement or are you going to cast it aside and take the antidote? I will rejoice. I will rejoice in the Lord God of my salvation. I will rejoice in the God of my deliverance. I will rejoice in the God, my healer. I will rejoice in my God, for there is no God like my God. If you're here this morning, I know there's not room here for, for an altar. You don't have to come to an altar, friend. We, it's in your heart. We know that. But if you're here this morning, and this word has spoke to you, I wonder if you just slip up your hand and say, Lord, I received that today. I receive it today. 
Listen, I was thinking the other day, Brother Bram talked about that box of rattlesnakes. And here not long ago, a package came to my door and the man rang the doorbell and I went to the door. He said, you need to sign for this. It was my package, had my name on it, came to my house. But he wouldn't give it to me until I signed for it. But once I signed for that package, he handed it to me and said, have a good day. And Brother Branham talked about how Satan will come to our door with a box of rattlesnakes. And if we sign for them, they're ours. But if you don't sign for them, he can't give them to you. He has to take them back. And I was thinking about that. If that's true for rattlesnakes, then would not that be true when healing comes to our door? When the Lord comes to our door with healing, if you'll receive that, it's yours. It's got your name on it. All you've got to do is receive it. If the devil can give you a box of rattlesnakes because you received it, cannot God give you healing, deliverance, joy, peace? If you'll just receive it this morning. If you'll just sign your name to it, that promise belongs to me. That promise belongs to me. God spoke that in his word to me. I believe the report of the Lord. If you'll sign for that this morning, for your healing, would you just raise your hand for your deliverance? If you'll just raise your hand for your encouragement, for whatever you have need of, if you just say, Lord, I receive it today in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, Father God, the whole room, Lord, my hands is up too. And God, I believe the promises of your word to be true. And Lord, those this morning that are streaming that would maybe want to be in service in the king because of health reasons, Lord. May you touch them right there where they're at in their living room, Lord. Sitting there looking at their computer. May you touch them, Lord. And Father, you see every hand that's raised today. We take the antidote against discouragement. Against discouraging times that we're in, Lord, when the world is falling apart all around us. Every day there's more killings and robberies and this and that. And oh, it's getting to be such an unfit place for us to live. But Father, that's not discouraging to us, even though it's a discouraging time to them. Because that's all they've got. But Lord, to us, Father, to us, it's just another sign of our soon coming. The soon coming to take us, Lord, because we know you'll not leave us here much longer. In the world in this condition so I will not be shaken I will not be moved but I believe in you Father for your promises are true Father you see the hands today by the same anointing that raised my Lord from the grave by that same anointing that gave my daughter back to me may that anointing move upon every heart this morning Lord upon every life upon every struggle Upon every, every mental issue, every spiritual issue, may you move upon each one today, God. And we cast down reason, and we cast down fear, and we cast down doubt, and we receive thy word, for we encourage ourselves in the Lord. Grant it today, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Do you love him today? Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Ain't God good? What a loving Father that we have to tell us these things. So I say to you this morning, friend, whose report will you believe? Will you be the report of discouragement, the report of your enemy? 
or the report of your Lord. But I say this morning, as for me and my family, we will believe the report of the Lord. Do you love him today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Whose report will you believe? We shall believe the report of the Lord. I said, whose report will you believe? We shall believe the report of the Lord. His report says I am healed. His report says I am sealed. His report says I am free. His report says victory. Whose report will you believe? We shall believe the report of the Lord. I said whose report will you believe? We shall believe the report of the Lord. For oh, his report says I am healed. His report says I am sealed. His report says I am free. His report says victory. Whose report will you believe? I said whose report will you believe? Oh, his report. Hallelujah. His report says I am sealed. Oh, his report says I am free. His report says victory. Whose report will you believe? I will believe the report of the Lord. Whose report will you believe? I will believe the report of the Lord. Or oh, his report. I receive it, Lord. Amen, amen. Oh, his report, the victory. Whose report will you believe? Oh, hallelujah. I said, whose report will you believe? Oh, his report says I am his report. I am free. His report is victory. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 Oh, I was so glad, I was so glad that the world can give us a false report, but our God can't. His report is yay and yay. Brother Joel, you want to come too? Take the service this morning. Brother Joel, there he is. God bless you, buddy. God bless you, saints. We trust you was blessed this morning. Appreciate that.
you appreciate the Lord using Brother Daryl this morning? Many, many times in our lives, the Lord used that man to be a, be a help to us. Certainly appreciate him. Let's just, as we go this morning, let's sing Victory is Mine. Do you claim that victory this morning? Amen. Let's, this week, let's remember Brother Krause's grandbaby. Let's, let's pray for that, for that child. I also remember Brother Daryl. He's got a really tough trip ahead of him. Let's just remember him, Lord. Be with him there. Let's just sing this as we go this morning. Oh, victory is mine. Victory is mine. Victory today is mine. I told Satan, get thee behind. Victory today is mine. Joy is mine. Joy is mine. Joy. It is mine. I told Satan, get thee behind. Joy today is mine. Healing is mine. Healing is mine. Healing today is mine. I told Satan, get Victory is mine, victory today is mine, I told Satan, get thee behind, victory today is mine, and joy is mine, joy is mine, I was alone in the darkness and could not find my way. But Jesus shined a light on me. He turned on my night today. Saved by grace. I've been saved by grace. My name is in the Lamb's book of life. Sins are washed away, saved by grace. I've been saved by grace. It's not what I deserve that I'm saved by grace. Well, saved by grace. I've been saved by grace. In the Lamb's book of life, and my sins are washed away. Saved by grace, I've been saved by grace. Not what I deserve, but I'm saved by grace. Saved by grace. 
Not one. 